Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in to another edition of Sunday Fun Day with Socks on Tap. I am Johnny Nani. Three-way action once again tonight. NWI Steve and Tony on tap joining me as well. How are you guys doing this fine Sunday evening? Doing all right, Jonathan. I'd uh, be doing a little bit better if the Sox could have found a way to complete the sweep and go 6-1 and one on the road trip. But, uh, you know, 5-2, and two, you'll, you'll take it. Could have been better, though. Exactly what that guy said, Johnny. We wanted the sweep. Didn't get it. We're here. We're drinking beers. We're still talking White Sox baseball. But uh, I echo what Steve says here. Yeah, uh, I'm with you guys. I mean, uh, sweeps are cool and tough, and four-game sweeps are even cooler and tougher. So uh, that would have been really nice. It's been a while since White Sox have recorded a four-game sweep. So um, obviously that falls by the wayside uh, in Sunday's kind of debacle. But um, overall, solid road trip. So we'll round all of that up. We will talk uh, at the end of the show about new rules uh, because we kind of brought it up. Obviously that news was dropped like Wednesday or Thursday, um, but we didn't want to flood a full post-game show with it. So we're going to do it on Sunday Funday here. Uh, it'll be on the back so stay tuned for that make sure you jump in the comments give your takes uh via subscribing to on sportsnet on youtube or liking us on facebook it's the only comments we can see and pull into the stream yard so twitter listeners jump over youtube or facebook all right boys uh, let's start over overall five and two on the road trip uh can't be mad about that usually the west coast is tough for the white Sox. It, in past years um e- even in some good seasons it, it's been tough on the white Sox to win out there so um it just if, if we're talking overall kind of takeaways guys I, I think the win on wednesday the series finale at seattle um I, I think that was a major major um turning point for this team if they are to indeed go, go and make a playoff push i don't know about you guys yeah, that was obviously a pivotal one because in years past, not having that come from behind victory is the type of thing that could cause a series in Oakland against even a bad A's team to kind of snowball a little bit. So finding a way to come back, win that baseball game, um, it, dare I say, set the tone then for the Oakland series, you know, kind of leading into each other there. And just a five and two road trip overall on the West coast. I mean, I can't even remember the last time something like that happened. Um, So that's, it's overwhelmingly positive from that standpoint. It's just the only quote unquote downside to it is the fact that you lost ground on it. Granted, you can't control that. You can't control the aspect that the Minnesota twins are a fucking useless franchise who should be fucking contracted and should be embarrassed. You know, twins, Ted, go fuck yourself. You little sack of shit. But the Sox did what they had to do. I think it, any Sox fan coming into that road trip, if they told them they're going to go five and two, we would have taken it. Hey, I just go back to uh, pretty much a week ago when we were sitting here talking about how's this road trip going to go? What are you going to do? I thought three and three ish, 500 baseball. 
was going to be what you would see out of the Chicago White Sox team because that's what you've seen all year. You tell me we come out of this road trip, especially against one of the hottest teams in baseball, and then Oakland, we all know the narrative there. I think they've played incredibly well. I know that uh, you lose ground on this, like Steve said, and that's incredibly unfortunate, but it's also that's so White Sox to me. They're still hanging around. It's still positive. You could be in the Minnesota Twins position at this point. So this would be a lot angrier show. Yeah, it would be. But in the grand scheme of things, I know we're wrapping a Sunday fun day. We didn't get to talk yesterday because I feel like if we had a post game show, it would have been super positive. Let's temper that a little bit because if you lost yesterday and we came in and we had what we had today, I think we'd be a lot angrier. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, like you mentioned, not getting to touch on Saturdays. Um, obviously, that was a big win as well, putting up double digits once again, 10-2, uh, the final in that one, and then unfortunately dropping 10-3, uh, the series finale there. But uh, guys, from uh, you know the rest of this, I talked about that Wednesday game is a big moment. And that was, you know, you could argue that the comeback Friday, I guess in terms of um, you know, win probability at the time was more miraculous and stuff. Um, but I don't think they even get to that point of being able to do that uh, if they don't have the Wednesday win. So that's why I wanted to go back and highlight that. Um, obviously, Saturday, seeing Lance shoved despite a little scare with the knee early on. Um, it, that, that was good to see. And then the bats come alive. Um, Elvis Andrews capped it. What, what a series for him. I think our pick to click for the series in Oakland was very successful, guys. The Elvis Revenge Series, I mean, it definitely was fruitful, and I think we all nailed that right on the head, expected him to go out there and want to take a little bit of vengeance on a team that just royally fucked him, for lack of a better term. Um, so he obviously had to be very happy to go out there and do what he did this weekend and just continue the overall quality play that he has had since he put on that White Sox uniform. Nothing to add there from what Steve said, Johnny. I echo it completely he's just been incredible since putting on that white tax uniform man yeah yeah so obviously a decent amount of positives to take away however uh in the series finale we, we saw some little league bullshit and i will say this is just one little like concern that i have going forward yeah overall you know you might be a little tired gas at the end of that road trip you had mancata out you had harrison scratched last minute um that kind of stuff pl plays into the factor there but uh regardless it, it doesn't stop them from having bad reads on fly balls from almost colliding with each other in left field uh throwing the ball around a little bit i did, did not like seeing that i'd like to see them play much clean cleaner crisper baseball uh, upon their return home but unfortunately i feel like that could be a little bit of a trap game it's like yeah it's the rockies coming in um but i, I don't know about you guys I, I do have a little bit of concern especially um you know michael kopech i know he's fresh back from the injured list he'll be getting the ball uh in that series opener and, and not that i don't have confidence in him but uh it's still kind of a readjustment period getting back into the swing of things so um going forward any concerns takeaways from the series if not we can get to the rule roasting here yeah, I mean, as far as just, um, you know, going forward with that Colorado series here, you mentioned and, and used the parallels of it being kind of a trap game here. Um, that's It's a two-gamer, so a real short one there. And you got the off day tomorrow, so you just got to hope that this kind of re-energizes the group a little bit here and they are able to flush this one tonight. And then, you know, by the time they get back to Chicago tomorrow here and then get to the ballpark on Tuesday morning, they're ready to go. And ready to start a new streak because this is a big week coming up. It absolutely is. And I, I think we've kind of cemented the fact that this road trip has been 
in the White Sox favor, at least from the side that they can control. Obviously, Steve brought up the fact that you lost ground on this, but granted, it was only half a game, but still, yes, still in the negative, right? We 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 think about things in the left hand column versus the right hand column. I know Steve's a big right hand column watcher right now. That might be like his new name on Twitter, right hand column watcher. Uh, But the Sox were doing what they needed to do. In, in the grand scheme of things here, I think three out of four in Cleveland was fantastic. I'm just ready to get to some rules roasting. Yeah, they were in yeah. Oakland. We, yeah, we, yeah. It's, it's Sunday night. We've had a lot of beers here. Yeah, no. It wasn't a great day for my sports right. teams, Johnny. I, and I know, I know where your mind is, though, Tony, because there's a lot of Cleveland coming up later, right? Uh, there is the little one-gamer, and then um, there will be another regular series um, the, the yes. following week. So, obviously, White Sox need to set themselves up uh, in the best position possible uh, for those games. And um, it, it will be interesting to see it play out, but obviously that quick well, two game stop at home, so hopefully they can do some bumbling uh, against those Rockies. All right, and it would guys. also it would also yeah. help if the Angels, you know, maybe uh, right put, yeah. put one in the right hand column for Cleveland here at some point over the next couple of days. Yeah, Trout that would Otani, be huge. Like you, you guys have seen that tweet, right? That viral tweet about uh, you know the stats that Shohei Otani or Mike Trout puts up, and then it's like, oh, and they did all this historic stuff, and only first time since you know nineteen twelve or whatever the fuck, and then it's like. As the Angels, the Angels lose eight to two, as the Angels lost to the Tigers eight to three, yeah, there's just something ridiculous like that. So hopefully that's not the case, and hopefully those guys are actually propelling wins for uh, the Angels against Guardians. So it's time, guys. I know you guys have been uh, building these up, and we've had some commentary off the air, but I wanted to bring it to uh, the listeners here, and that is the MLB rule changes um, for 2023. Obviously, this was uh, dropped on like Wednesday or Thursday ish, and it's uh, been approved. Uh, they had a committee that did it, so. Um, Overall, I want to say our opinions on it aren't too fond Um, that you got uh, just specifics. I'm not going to read them off, but obviously the pitch clock sort of thing to speed up games uh, shift essentially banned with where they're allowing uh, fielders to play next year. Uh, And then the bigger bases, I will say that I'll start the easy one. Bigger bases, I don't really mind that much. It's three inches and whatever it's, you know. If it helps prevent some injuries, maybe that you know saves an Andrew Vaughn leg sometime in the future. Who knows? Bigger so. bases brought to you by sixty nine mega. Yes, that's all I've got to yeah. say. Yeah, that that's the one. That's the easy one though, because I don't think too many people have a problem with that. But let's go and start with these other ones, especially um, speeding up the game. You know, pitch clock and all that, and punishing guys if they take too long or something like that. Air out your main concerns with it, Steve, because I think you brought up a bunch of good ones, and Tony, you did as well. So, so let's just go in a circle here uh, and drop some truth bombs on here. Okay, so there are two specifically that I want to talk about first as it relates to the pitch clock. The immortal Hawk Harrelson used to talk all the time that baseball is the only game that is run without a clock. And to me, that is what made it great. A lot of people want to talk and they want to complain. Preach, Steve. Preach, please. They, they want to sit there and Please. they want to complain about pace of play, about the game taking too long. You go and you look at these changes that it made in the minor leagues. You're talking about subtracting 25 minutes. Is 25 minutes really the difference, the thing that is going to bring all these you know Gen Z hipsters that didn't like baseball to begin with? Is 25 minutes all of a sudden going to make them start coming to the ballpark and watching the game more frequently? No. It's not. You have an absolute bozo running this sport who fucking hates it, who insists on placating people that will never like it. 
And for some reason, he wants to try to placate them instead of the people that actually care about the sanctity of this sport here. You know, if you want to talk about some of the things like, you know, limiting the time in, you know, from hitter to hitter, you know, some of the things like that, I, I think that's a little bit trivial. But this whole thing about like the, the pitch clock and because think about this, it's October, you're in the postseason. And if Michael Kopech is on the mound and all of a sudden now he's got a pitch that he gets called by Yasmani Grandal and all of a sudden now something pops in his mind, wait a minute, maybe this isn't the right pitch but he can't step off. And now all of a sudden he's got to throw a pitch without conviction. And if something bad happens as a result of it, how fucking pissed off are we going to be? Because I can tell you one thing, I will lose my shit over this. So that's the first one right there. The second one is this limitation on the number of pickoff throws. You are essentially screwing pitchers out of this and you are limiting their ability to keep base runners close. Everybody wants to get all up in arms, but Oh, boo guy trying to throw a pickoff. This has been happening for 130 years. Can I just chime in really quick there, Steve? I like that as the home team, even if it is an effective, you know, they actually do want to hold the right. Obviously there's some that are just wasting time, but I like it whenever it's the home crowd. And it's like, I love doing it at 35th and shields. And then when we play on the road and I'm watching them on TV, I like saying, Oh, shut up. Oakland fans. If you're going to boo when, you know, right now, you know what I'm saying? It's like a good, like back and forth you just expect it every time and i'm gonna miss it and then obviously the tactical stuff is what really matters but think about it there's uh there's effects that this will have that are beyond just on the field and how the game is played it's how we it you know take it in right exactly exactly then my last point on this and then i'll turn it over to anthony this is going to keep billy hamilton employed for who knows how many years guys like him terrence gore guys that literally their only tool that is allowing them to keep putting on a uniform is their speed. These guys that are able to go out there, get big leadoffs and are skilled enough at reading pitchers and reading their pickoff moves. Because if you try those two pickoffs and if you don't get a guy, you're basically vacating that 90 feet. I mean, we want to talk about screwing teams from a tactical standpoint. That's a good way to do it. All good points, Tony. It's all you go ahead. Pace of play. I know this is one of your hot topics, rightfully. I so. mean, this this is this is absolutely a hot topic for me, guys. And and Steve, I I love everything you said before I even get into uh what I have to say here. Some of the same points that you're echoing in, in terms of the sanctity of the game, um I, I'm huge on. And I, I think that you and I don't even view baseball in the same way. And for you to say some shit about how baseball should be played um, that I really agree with, I think is, I mean, to me, honestly, I'm live on air right now to hear you say some of that shit is music to my ears. Because when we talk about the Hawk Harrelson thing that you brought up, if we want to go there specifically, baseball, not having a clock. I, I really, honestly, that is, one thing that I've honed in on in this entire thing, the history of the game of baseball has never had a clock on it. And you've got baseball history quotes that talk about how this game is different than everything else. And you have a commissioner that's come in and literally tried to change that. And you have to stop yourself at one point within this whole entire thing and say, is that right? And I don't think it is because 
for just the main reason behind this baseball doesn't play to its strengths at all it never has the closest the one, they have is to making the baseball zen commercials that are just the sounds of the ballpark uh, for Johnny, MLB I would TV. I would that's say it. that's one of them. That's it. I think I think they did Field of Dreams, the the original one, very well. Steve and I were there. I thought. Well, then they ruined was, it this year. And then they they go and they ruin it. But you go back and you look at some of this stuff. It's like over the history of the game. We're not even just talking about right now what people want, what anything is. The history of the game. It doesn't have a clock. It could last forever. In a world where everything is. What's the next notification I'm going to get in a world where you can't focus on anything? Baseball is slow enough for you to tweet about it in between pitches. Actually fire off a replay, Johnny. Talk about what's happening. It's the perfect sport to be able to live in a world where social media exists, where you can talk about something, use your phone during it, and just wait off the world around you. And we want to make it faster. Why? Why do you want to make this game faster? I've never met anybody who's wanted to have less of their product out there in the world. Who cares if it goes 14 innings? Even if it's about the money, from the owner down to the player who gets to have the chance to be the next viral thing on the internet because he made a play. Why do we want to shorten this game? Why? It doesn't make sense. Have more of your product out there. Tony, can I answer your question that you just asked with something that you had said previously to us? Sure. It's so an entire bat can fit in a TikTok video, right? But that's when you boil it down, looking at it wrong, right? And that, that's what I'm saying. I, I totally agree with all, all of your guys' sentiments there. But I just thought that was a good take that you here's, had. The other here's day. here's a comment here. that comes in here that I want to get to, Johnny, and I, I agree with it. More time for commercials. There's less time for commercials. Why do you put a runner on second base when you might be able to draw out an extra? three innings worth of commercials. Why do you want to speed the game up? You're literally asking for less revenue. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if they talk about less in the, beer sales, less the thing that they keep pointing to is that 25 minute reduction across the minor leagues. Guess what? That's a half hour block of commercials now gone. Yeah, it is. And Steve, there might be two or three commercials within there. There, there uh, actually might be six. Talk about baseball half innings. You're gonna lose money on everything just to speed the game up to appease who? To appease people that are hardcore football fans who will never like baseball. That's what this is. That's all they're trying to do. Let's call it what it is. Everybody wants to make a big deal about today being oh, the first day of NFL Sunday. That's literally why Rob Manfred is doing this. He wants to be the commissioner of the NFL, not the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Interesting takes. I like it, guys. Um, you guys covered a lot of good things. And, Steve, I, I would double down and say the really important thing, because obviously at the end of the day, this is, you know, when we're talking about baseball, the, the point of the show is we want to talk about White Sox winners, right? Um, and, and something that could 
be an obstacle to that is the kind of thing, like you said, what if a pitcher needs that extra time to reset? There could be any, it could just be mental. It could be, oh, Michael Kopech, uh, you know, his shirt is bunched up on his shoulder a little bit too much or whatever, whatever it may be, uh, you know, your hat. And that's when right a pitcher would head. step and off. I'm not, and I'm not saying they should be allowed to be divas and do, you know, take a million years to like do this. I, I think a little bit of like urgency, like in between batters and stuff like that, Steve. So they're not, you know, taking a Sunday stroll around the mound three times, right? Um, I'm okay with like that kind of stuff, but on the mound itself and how it can really affect pitchers. I think that was a good point, Steve, uh, that you brought up. And now thinking about the other ones, I don't need to rehash everything you guys said, because I pretty much agree with the points that you brought up Um, from our standpoint, right? As fans taking in this game and, you know, with things sped up, I will now miss more baseball action on the field. If I decide to go up and go to the bathroom, go get something to eat, go and get beers in between innings because sure even if the time between innings stays the same right that's all fine and dandy but when you get back then these things speeding up on the field you will miss more of it whereas i might have only missed the first two pitches of the first batter after i went to the bathroom and got a beer and came back to my seat where now i might have missed two batters you know what i'm saying i think that's something that's overlooked um because obviously everybody's kind of dissecting what's going to be on the field well what about in the stands Especially when you have a, let's be blunt, an inefficient concession operation that the White Sox have had at the corner of 35th and Shields this season. Well, Steve, I think that you even can go further than that. You've got to take every, like if you're Rob Manfred, you've got to take every single baseball stadium into play here. And who who pulled the fans on this? I know you had a couple of baseball representatives, and that was even questioned in the national media where were the fan where's the fan poll that says i want a faster baseball game so that i miss more of the product johnny i love what you brought to the table there because you're right that lessens the experience and i don't see the ticket prices going down to you guys no, here's here's one thing that I really want to want to drive home on this as we talk about trying to decrease the amount of time that people are at the ballpark. One of my favorite things to do, and I, I've caught in flack from people over the over the years about this, is going to a game by yourself is actually very therapeutic in a number of senses. You for for me being in a high stress posi- po- profession that I am in. If I could speak correctly. So stressful, you can't even make words. (laughs) Tell me about it. I've already got the Sunday scaries here. Um, There are days where I go and I have meetings with doctors and I just want to bang my head against the fucking wall. And I come out of that and I can go to the ballpark and I can get in my seat 615, 630. So, you know, 45 minutes to maybe an hour before the game. And I can just sit there by myself taking the very end of batting practice, watching prep the field, and just be alone with my thoughts, mentally reset, and just leave behind all that other bullshit that happened. And then watch a nine-inning baseball game and not have to think about, I got to go to this office tomorrow. I got to meet with this practice. I got I to gotta deal with this. I got this problem I have to overcome here. I can just zone out for that three, three and a half hours, however long it is. Now you're talking about taking that away Fuck that. They only want you to have two hours, Steve. That's a problem. It's a big problem. You're taking away the product that people are happy with to try and entice other people to come view it because it's going to be faster. 
I, I don't, I, I don't understand that. The appeal to new audience thing is important, and I can get that. But if you have a problem with your game, where people aren't picking it up, I think that's where this this argument kind of goes at a fork in the road, where you have to make a change. And I would say that that change is make your product more accessible. Here's Market your stars better. Here's a suggestion from Sal, yes. our guy White Sox. Sal, he says, how about starting the World Series at a reasonable time on the East Coast? How can you grow the game to a younger audience if kids can't watch? Good point, Sal. There's a, just one of many examples. Of You've got that. Why, why, why isn't there mandated doubleheaders for every team on Labor Day and Memorial Day? Not only that, look, we can we can simplify it even further. The streaming aspects. Our guy Sean in Iowa is blacked out from five teams. You go to Vegas, you're blacked out from five teams. Literally in the year of our Lord, 2022, I should be able to pick this up, watch any game, regardless of where it is being played, on this device or on a, on a tablet, on my laptop, if I'm traveling for work, I should not be restricted based off of where I am at geographically. You want to grow the game? That's the easiest way to do it. Give everyone access to it. This is why the NFL and the NBA consistently beat MLB in these in these particular aspects because people can do that. You can literally watch any NFL game on your phone. I would disagree with you here, Steve. Okay, well, tell me more because I don't watch a lot of that foosball nonsense. So, so where am I wrong? As, 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 a, as a fan of a team that does not play in Chicago, I will tell you, that I cannot watch my football team play if the Chicago team is playing at the exact same time on Fox. So I don't think football has it right either, but they're close. They're damn near close. Baseball has it the worst. They but I don't sh- think football could shit on its fans and they'd still stay around. Yes. Though. Yes. So. Yes. They, they would Johnny, but here's the problem. If you're baseball and you want to compete with football, just make your product accessible, like we're saying right here, to anyone and everyone. You have 162 games for every single team. Just bombard it with it. The more content you have, the better. You're limiting your content in a content world by, A, trying to shorten your games and make them faster. You're limiting the experience. Why are you trying to cut it down? That's what I don't understand. Right. All, all valid points there. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I want more baseball, not less. So um, that's kind of roundup on uh, the pitch clock and speeding up the game stuff. And, you know, of course, Brian Kenny will talk about big success next year when he has all the data from it and how much faster it is without giving two shits about a, um, you know, the sanctity of the game. And that might be if you listen to this and you're in favor of it. And hey, we'd like to know. So join the comment section. But B, um, if you think that's an old man yells at cloud, uh, sort of take there i recommend rewinding and listening to what steve just said because what he talked about going to a game by yourself decompressing therapeutic experience i'd agree 100 with that johnny, would, the johnny lack, wanna... it's a lack of having the constraints on you is part of what makes that so great I, I i would argue the only people who want the game to be faster are people who have obligations that they just can't get themselves out of 
and want the game to be. There's certain times, even in my life, that I'm sure both of you guys have had it, where I want this game to speed up because I'm trying to get more out of my day. And I can understand that. That happens to everybody. But on the same notion, I would rather be stuck watching a baseball game for longer than I had anticipated watching a baseball game for than have the game be over in under two hours every single time I watch it and knowing that that's all I can get out of it. And I don't think either of you guys would disagree. Absolutely not. I mean, look, you know, those those sub-two-hour games, the Mark Burley specials, those, those can absolutely be cool because you can have a good, clean, crisp baseball game. But if that's the goal to try to do that every time, it's not 1915 anymore. We're not playing games in, in 90 minutes. Yeah, It's just not realistic. Yeah, I, I want to talk. I know we talk, talked a lot about our kind of takes on this. But let's go specifically when we're talking about this for pitch clock. Does this affect anyone on the White Sox specifically? Pitchers, like we brought up possible Michael Kopech thing there. Um, hitters. Lucas Giolito is going to be ass. This, right. That's what I'm thinking, too. Lucas I mean, Giolito is not going to adjust to this very well. There is much less That's time. That's my for early prediction. There is much less time for pouting. You're correct. I also think a guy like Joe Kelly, um, he has he can be a little animated and has his little quirks and mannerisms out there on the mound. This is another guy that imposing a clock on could have an impact for. Now, granted, look, he's been dog shit to begin with. I mean, this could just, for all we know, compound, or it could actually have the the opposite effect. And who knows, maybe it'll give him less time to, you know, figure out what the uh, fuck he's doing wrong, and they'll just go out there and just throw. Liam um, Hendricks as well. Yep, I, I can see that. Um, on the pitching side, maybe even Lance Lynn. I mean, you know, he, he has to adjust the, the nuts every once in a while, right? And sometimes it quite literally is to adjust them and not because it's a celebration because for a strikeout. So I think that could be something maybe if the knee don't feel right. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, like, I think, guys, it's going to affect every fucking pitcher. I, These yeah. are guys. Well, I just want to talk White Sox specific here. Yeah, I know. But like in the grand scheme of things, Johnny, these guys, even in the White Sox organization, if you want to limit it to that, you've grown up playing baseball a certain way. You've been taught a certain way your entire lifetime. The only players that it will benefit are the guys who had these same stipulations down in AAA and worked Jake, with it for so a Jake year. So Jake Berger is going to be a menace, you're saying. Actually, he'd been I injured, mean, so that's right. That's yeah, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, he was he's had some experience with it. Yeah. It's going to affect the batters. It's going to affect the hitters. I don't like rules that come into play at the major league level in any sport that that change the actual like cadence of a game because I think the baseball cadence, while people have had issues with it, and mainly guys like Rob Manfred, not guys like us, have had issues with it. It's going to change this. I worry about the injuries. I worry about a guy like Garrett Crochet, who didn't play all year this year, coming back from injury, trying to rush himself to get a pitch off when he doesn't have his cadence and his entire fucking baseball career. If he didn't feel it, he can step off and take a fucking breath. So that's that's my problem with the whole thing is 
guys that didn't have to play a year like that, where it wasn't in the major leagues, where we're subject to this, where we cover it every day in, day out at ONTAP Sportsnet, come in, try and do shit, and they're playing under a completely different circumstance than they were their entire career and taught to. Yeah, Leave the shift or the bigger bases out of it. This is a fundamental change to the way that the, the integral part of baseball, pitch a ball, hit a ball, swing at it, whatever you do, you can't step out anymore. You can't step off anymore. You don't well, have that ability to, to, to right. collect it's, yourself. It's it's limited, right? It's um, not, you know, it's what is it? Two pitcher, whatever, step offs per batter resets if, you know, there's, there's stipulations of it out there. But it, so it's, you know, not completely that you cannot, but you will get punished if you do it too much or basically the, even like the automatic like ball and strike on yeah. that, I think is a little egregious, John. Yeah. So well, one thing that I was thinking about, how is this going to affect the white Sox? Obviously we always go to the pitchers and think about that and who's got to adjust themselves and this and that I was thinking hitter wise, Eloy Jimenez seems to have an itchy helmet. I don't know if you guys notice this every once in a while, he'll step, he'll, he will, he'll call time and he's granted it, but he'll step out and he'll have to wipe his, he'll have to wipe his head and he'll have to like look in his helmet and like pick at something or he's just got a bug in his eye or something like that. It's happened a few times. I just remember. I was trying to think. Does anyone take too long? Nobody really dicks around too much for the White Sox. They're usually in the box there. However, on that calling time thing, I was thinking, Eloy, because if he ain't right, he'll call time. Now he's going to get you know, automatic strikes on him. If he has could, to do that, God forbid a bug flies in his eye in 2023. Could you imagine if that happened in 2023 with like bases loaded, full count, Eloy steps out because there's a bug in his eye and you get an automatic strike three call to end the game in With a playoff loaded. series. Well, yeah. what, what happens if, um, you know, Johan Mankata takes a swing and then all of a sudden feels a little ouchy in his, in his oblique. How's that going to get back get in the batter's box? Well, the yep. umpire can allow. Well, so this comes down to an umpire call, Steve, and I don't know if it's challengeable or not. But the umpire is allowed to uh, give extra time in certain circumstances. Now, what if you're an umpire that doesn't believe in Yohan Moncada's bullshit and you decide he should be in the box and he's hobbling around? What if the White Sox lose a playoff series that way? Could you imagine? That'd be incredible. You know what, guys? Not that I want baseball to be bad or the product to suffer, but maybe it has to get worse before it gets better. I kind of want this to be a disaster with so many complaints that they have to go back and change it. I would not be surprised if when they start doing this stuff in spring training here, if there is significant pushback from a big enough portion of the players association that it causes this to happen. I mean, I remember, you know, what was it? Six or seven years ago when they try, when they first were trying to limit this whole stepping out of the batter's box thing, saying that you had to have one foot in the box at all times, that shit died really quick. I don't, I don't know if a lot of people remember that, but they've tried this before and kind of off topic here. I mean, one guy that I think has to be the happiest right now that he's retired and that he doesn't have to deal with any of this bullshit out in LA, no more Garcia Parra because he would have fucking died. Derek Jeter, too. Every fucking pitch, get out, readjust each one of your batting gloves, you know, do your little toe shit, you know, toe tap yeah. shimmy bullshit. Another one would be interesting to see what happens when Matt Carpenter comes back. He's going to be doing his lean back, 
and pit, you know, strike two is going to come right by him. So, and, and that's the other thing too. I don't know if this is going to be a hard and fast thing on the pitch clock. You've seen the, uh, you know, checking pitchers hands for the sticky stuff and hair I mean, and James Karen checks. Yes. I, you're stealing, you're stealing the next thing I'm going here to here. Johnny is, you know, James Karen check had his, uh, his hair inspected the other day. Um, just fan, fantastic content um, from from the Baseball Umpires Association. They're really helping out here. Um, I was at Rocco Baldelli's request, though. I will say that. Hey, that's the best thing that Rocco Baldelli's done all year. Fuck is, Rocco Baldelli. I know, but Baldelli's he's dead. He's, yeah, his team he is had James Karinczak's hair inspected, which I think is very admirable of him. It's just my thought. I don't like that guy. I don't like James Karen Jack. We'll never like James Karen Jack. That's yeah. just it. Yeah. All right. Um, guys, we kind of, you know, uh, hashed through uh, pace of play here. Um, let's go a little bit quicker on this. Uh, any thoughts on banning the shift here? Um, I will say, for one, just prefacing this, I was so glad that Jason Benetti was not on the Friday broadcast, so we did not have to hear his opinion. Um, whatever he thinks about it, it's always extremely pointed, and it's annoying the way in which he describes the shift and his love for it. Um, I, I would say, though, um, even having said that, I'm, I don't know. I, I, it'll be very interesting to see, I guess, is where uh, I jump off with this because there's some instances in which I, I could dig it, but then there's other instances in which, uh, okay, you want to go and, you know, uh, shift Gavin sheets. He had done a decent job of poking stuff through the left side. And there's been a few other guys who have done it too. Um, so I'm, I'm really going to hate it when it, when it hurts the white Sox, but I'm going to love it if it benefits us and gets us out. So that's just kind of where I'd stand with it, even as it currently is. Uh, you know, as you go yeah. back throughout the course of baseball history, it's an action reaction counter battle. And we're at a phase right now where there is an over-reliance on shifting. And you talk about a guy like Gavin Sheets that is able to go and is able to beat the shift. There's just going to come a point where guys are going to have to find ways to work around that. Um, I don't like the idea of that being legislated away. You know, to me, the biggest issue here, and they talk about wanting to create more action, wanting to create more more balls in play. That's kind of the crux of the argument here. That is a problem of velocity. We've talked about this very briefly, and I'll try to be very succinct in this here. The average major league fastball velocity is 94 and a half miles an hour. You have guys throwing 102 mile an hour cutters now. So talking about, you know, dictating where guys can stand on the field, that's not going to fix that. Strikeouts are increasing exponentially. And the number of singles is decreasing. If the goal here is to create more Wait a second. singles. The number of singles is decreasing? Yeah, how is that possible? How is that possible? We're, we're on a White Sox podcast. Hey, even. Uh, if, if, we, if we look outside of the Frank Manichino, you know, school of hitting here. Did you just uh, say that baseball needs more Frank Manichinos? They think so. I mean, pe people with fully functioning brains don't, but, you know, that's Rob Manfred for you. Tony, thoughts on banging the shift here? I, I, I same thing with the whole like, why do you want less of your product? Like, part of the cool part with baseball is you can position your fielders however you want to. 
right yeah, now. We've seen five infielders. Yeah, you've yeah. seen five in like the, are they banning a fifth infielder? I haven't seen anything right, on yeah. that. So, you know, can you pull your center fielder in and play two outfielders and have him play right on the grass in the same spot? I'm curious to see how teams start to get around this because I can see some crazy outfield con- configurations with it. You could still have your shortstop play directly up the middle. It it just seems like you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole here. People are always going to try and figure out how to best position their fielders to eliminate the hit. It's not like you're telling teams don't scout the other team. So I just don't think that that rule is going to do enough to really change things in the, in the grand scheme of creating more offense, which is what they're trying to do here. There's going to be a way to look at that data, say, here's how I position my fielders now, given this current limitation of what I have. And then we're going to be on to the next crazy idea to try and go create more offense. it, it, It just doesn't make any sense to me. If we've got a problem with not enough singles, like Steve said, I don't know, go go try and make it more advantageous to hit a single. Train batters to hit situationally instead of trying to say it's a home run or nothing. And I know that's a contentious statement, but like Steve said, it's reactive. It goes in a cycle. It's... I don't think offense is caught up to pitching at this point. And so baseball is trying to step in and create rules to limit how good the pitching is right now in order to create more offense. I think there needs to be a different look at the offensive side of baseball to go make that better. And I don't think they've got the, I don't think that they've hit it on the head in order to make the game more exciting. I think what they've done is going to take out of baseball some of that sanctity that we talked about earlier. And I don't think banning the shift goes... I don't want to say far enough. I don't think that that's going to be the right answer that helps you create more offense in this game or make it more exciting. And it's only going to be something that limits excitement. In right. my, my opinion, one of one of my things like with all of these is I'm really interested to see how they fo- enforce it. Right. Um, obviously, they know the we, they listed the penalties that they'll give out for violating the pitch clock and all that kind of stuff. But look at this. Like our guy White Sox Sally says, can't wait for the final out of the World Series to be overturned because the second uh, baseman had his heel on the grass uh, to start the play. Shit like that. How is that challengeable? Is that yeah, challengeable? Like, is, a, is a blade of grass touching? Lurie Garcia's feet yeah. at second base next year and the yeah, Sox get- lose and everybody wants to throw down on Lurie. Are they, are they going to install cameras that like check that kind of shit? Like, you know, one dead on the third baseline right by the tarp to make sure Tim Anderson's heels uh, aren't on the grass there. You know what I'm saying? Um, be interesting. Uh, be very interesting to see. And I want to know how they're going to announce it too, because I know they said that they were going to go and announce things this year. And it, it's kind of been, I don't know. Uh, it, they're still working on it, I guess is the the spot for that, but it doesn't seem like they're trained to announce these things as well. So the fans know a have the umpires announce it and B put the damn thing up on the board so people can see and people know, and they, okay, 
you know, player XYZ got punished for XYZ rule because of whatever, and then show the show an actual replay of it. I think that if you're going to do it, you, you have to do it that way and be that overstated about it. I concur, Jonathan. All right, um, guys, that's about it for this one. Um, I'm glad we got uh, all of our thoughts out here uh, on the MLB rules. Um, would you go as far as to say we got a little hashtag mad online? I was I would, just about to say I that. would say so. I think that's confirmed. I'll reach out to multiple sauces to get confirmation. Yeah. All right. Bringing it back into White Sox land. Obviously, we talked about it. There's an off day Monday, so uh, it'll be good for resting up. But then just quick two-game home series will be Michael Kopech on the bump Tuesday night against the Colorado Rockies. Um, please don't let this be a trap game. Please, please, please. Uh, I know it's, you know, you get home, you see the family for the first time in over a week, and uh, you got to take care of errands and chores and stuff. But, my God, we're in the thick of a push for the playoffs. Keep pushing. Keep pushing hard. One guy that they got to really be mindful of here in these next two days, CJ Crone. Um, Just hit one sure. in like five miles the other night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he literally hit one 504 feet the other night. So he's the one guy in that Colorado lineup right now that is a tremendous problem. So you got to make sure that you are in a position to not allow him to do damage. You know, having Michael Kopech on the mound, or excuse me, on Tuesday when this thing kicks off, he's got to go out there and he's got to pump strikes. That is not a situation where you can go be working behind hitters issuing free passes because that will be a problem. Just had me thinking about Brian Anderson, like long balls right now. Don't let don't let that guy beat you. There's an opportunity for the Sox to go get two wins. Go get him. That's all it is. Like, you have to. Johnny, you're talking about a trap game. Can't let that happen. Play with the same energy that you played all weekend with. I know today was difficult, but very big opportunity for the White Sox. Off day, rest the bullpen, rest everybody up, go out, take care of business. I think I'm a lot more optimistic about this because of how they handled this weekend. Sure, you would have liked to see the sweep, but I, I still don't think that this one was a momentum killer by any means. It wasn't a heartbreaker. There were certain things that happened today that, yeah, you wouldn't like to see, but it wasn't a game that really took, I think, a lot of wind out of the sails. Cueto didn't have it, is what it is. Go out there, take care of business against a, a lesser opponent in two games. He took three on the West Coast against. The Oakland A's, two out of three against the Mariners, you should be able to handle Colorado. My last point, off day tomorrow, recharge the 69 Mega. 69 Mega. Oh, show. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you go to ontapsportsup.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow us on social media at SoxOnTap and at ontapsportsnet. We'll be back at it again Tuesday night. Enjoy the off day. White Sox forever. White Sox for